I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 221. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am so glad you are here and you are choosing to spend some time with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I have an interesting episode coming up that I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. I just want to remind those of you who might have missed it over the last few episodes that I'm going to have a retreat coming up. I don't have a sign-up page ready for it. I'm still in the process of solidifying everything. I had told you a few weeks ago that I was sort of tossing it around, see if there was any interest. And there's been some interest. Thank you for those of you who have signed up to be the first to be notified about it. It's going to be I think early August, I haven't completely set down a date yet, but it's going to be in Asheville, North Carolina, not far from where I live. It's going to be, this is a part, I mean, I'm excited about everything, but I'm going to rent a really large, beautiful house in the mountains that's like this gorgeous property. And I believe I can only take nine or 10 participants. And I'm also hiring a private chef to come in to cook for us. So, you know, all dietary needs are going to be handled. I'm just, it's going to be fancy. (laughs) I'm really, really excited about it. So if you want to be the first to know about it, oh, by the way, the curriculum is going to be the daring way. That's the work I'm certified to do based on Brene Brown's research. I usually do it privately with clients over the course of five-ish months. This, we are going to be able to do it in just a few short days. I originally said it was just going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but the more I look at the curriculum, the more I know that it needs to start on a Thursday night. We work on it on Friday, we work on it on Saturday, and then we meet for breakfast and go home on Sunday. So I'm sorry that it's going to have to be a little bit of a longer weekend, but I do that in honor of the curriculum and in honor of you doing the work. So it's over at yourkickasslife.com forward slash retreat, and that is to be the first to know. I'm pretty sure this will sell out fairly quickly because of the small amount of people that I can take, as well as because this is the very first retreat that I'm rolling this out. It's it's kind of its pilot round. I always do that as sort of an introductory price. So it's going to be lower than it's going to be the next time I run it. So if you're kind of like, well, I'll just catch Andrea the next time she does it, but you want this price, then I really encourage you to at least get on this interest list to make sure that you know about it when I open registration. So yourkickasslife.com forward slash retreat. All right, let's get into this episode. How do I even describe this episode to you? What's interesting is that I I originally was going to have my dear, dear friend, Kate Anthony, on to talk about something else. And then a few days before we started recording, I sent her a message and I'm like, hey, what do you think about having this conversation instead of the one we had originally planned? And I knew she'd be all for it. But the thing is, is I was a little bit nervous about it because I... I have typically over the last 220 something episodes have always tried to either bring an expert on or give you some kind of training, some kind of takeaway, something for you to walk away with 
having learned something so you can better your life. That's really the main mission of the podcast. And with this particular conversation, you'll hear me about, I don't know, halfway or three quarters of the way through, I said out loud, I don't even know what the point of this (laughs) episode is. And I did figure it out. What the point of the episode is, it's a real conversation between two women not sure if it matters, but we are two women in our 40s who are just talking about our own relationship with our bodies and what it has looked like throughout the years, you know, the the pitfalls, the bottoms of it, and what it looks like today. And this is not one of those episodes that gets all wrapped up in a pretty bow and more specifically you know, here's where I was and here's where I am now. And it's all great and so much better. And I guess in a lot of ways it is so much better, but many, many years ago, I got some advice when I first started to, to be a life coach and and started to become a quote unquote public figure. And that was never tell a story when you're in the middle of it. Always share your lessons when you're on the other side. And for a long time, that's what I did because what that advice was saying, I think, was if you if you don't show that you have cleaned everything up, then people won't trust you. People won't like you. And therefore, you won't have a business. You won't sell books. You won't have clients. So again, for a little while, I took that advice to heart and then started to feel kind of weird about it. And not at all that I felt like I was lying to people, but it was more of like a, okay, I teach vulnerability and being truly seen and showing up in your life as your true self. And that's why I have, you know, when my dad died, I told the story of his death and was crying (laughs) on one of my podcast episodes with my best friend. And I really just started to question that advice and, and really kind of just experimented with episodes. And just telling more of my story when sometimes I was kind of still in the middle of it. I don't know. I think it is still the Wild West in terms of life coaching and and this whole industry. And what I feel is that I honestly don't think that there's a right or wrong answer. I honestly don't think that there's a right way to do it and an absolute wrong way to do it as the advice that I got many, many years ago. And so what I try to do for y'all is to follow my intuition and get curious about it. And that's what I did last week when I got this idea to ask Kate if she wanted to have this conversation. And she said, yes. And I just sort of followed my intuition as we had this conversation and as I was asking her questions and as I was sharing my own experiences. So that's what it is. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening through it. It's a little bit longer than normal and we might do a part two because we could, we could have gone on longer. I had to, I had to cut it off because I had to go pick up my kids. So (laughs) that's, that's why it got cut off. So I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that it helps you. I guess I do kind of want to say a disclaimer around some kind of trigger warning. I don't know if it would be triggering to people. Basically, what we are talking about is our relationship with our bodies and what that looks like. Kate's story is a little bit different than mine and uh, might be a little bit triggering for some. I just wanted to give you a heads up about that. And I guess without further ado, here is the conversation. Kate Anthony, you're back. I am. I'm so excited about it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was telling people in the introduction that we had a different uh, agenda for this call. We were going to do a Q&A and I've had you on before and it's always been really great and we answer questions from the audience. And then I had a different idea for a different conversation. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> I think you're I'm more ready. ready than I am. I am ready. I'm excited. I know. I know. I, I, I am actually- yeah, I think you're more excited than I am. But I want to first, before we even get into it, I know I'm going to drop in the show notes the other episodes that I've had you on. I always get really great feedback when I have you on. But you have a podcast that I I, I don't like learning things about my friends via social media. <laughs> I saw I'm it. I was like, sorry. What? So Kate has a podcast, I'm everyone. Sorry. Tell everybody what your podcast I- is about and what it's called. 
It's called, yeah, it's called the Divorce Survival Guide Podcast. And it's really, it's, it's, I just started. So, you know, bear with me here, guys. Um, but it's, it's really, it's conversations about divorce. It's, um, and you know, divorce is, is sort of a container for so much, right? It, it's a container for our personal development. It is a container for, uh, relationships, mm-hmm. essentially doing the hardest relationships you could possibly ever really, uh, someone wrote something, I think it's in an article in time magazine that you basically have to have be tethered to someone who has give, brought you the most pain in your life in service of someone who gives you the most joy. Right. We're talking about divorce with kids. Right. And it's so there's a whole layer of conversations that happen around divorce. So that's what my podcast is about. I love it. And we will. What's what's the name of it again? The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast. The and I'll divorce. send you the info so you can. The div- yeah, it'll be in the show notes or everybody can just go over to iTunes and, and look for it. I just, you, you know, I, but I'm sure you, you know, can hear it again. I think you're brilliant. I think that your work is so needed and you were a guest in my alumni group. One of my, one of my YKAL alums had a question about, um, co-parent kind of co-parenting, dating somebody who has kids and, uh, you came to the rescue and, and helped. So I just know that you're brilliant in that scenario. So everybody go over there and listen to that. I want to start out by telling you something, cause I'm stalling on this conversation, obviously, <laughs> but I want it. I it's no a quick idea. story, quick story, because I think it's funny and I think you'll appreciate it. And I think everyone will, will kind of appreciate this. So I don't know if I, did I tell you about our idea? And by our, I mean, okay, Amy Smith, everyone knows is, is my, my dear, dear friend and Kate's good friend too. On my 40th birthday a few years ago, a couple of years ago, three, th- almost exactly three years ago, actually, I went ago, shopping. Yeah. It was kind of like my tradition over a few years where I would take the day off on my birthday and go shopping like to the mall or whatever. And like my 39th and 40th birthday, when I did it, I just, it was not it was just a reminder. <laughs> like it was a reminder that things are changing and I would come home just feeling bummed. And I'm like, what's going on? It just, uh, and so I was, I was leaving my friend Amy a message a couple of might've even been, I can't remember if it was on my 40th or my 41st birthday. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this shopping thing on my birthday. It's just, it doesn't feel birthday-ish. It's not bringing me joy at all. And so she, it was, I cannot remember. I'm pretty sure it was her idea. But we, she and I had had the conversation. Have you heard about how we're going to go out dancing? Did you hear about this? No. Okay. <laughs> we have always, I don't know if she and I have ever been out dancing together. Because when we met, you know, I was pregnant with Sydney. We were like past that stage. I mean, at least mm-hmm. for me, like where I was going out dancing. And then I got sober not too long. So it wasn't really like, woo, it wasn't that kind of friendship. And, but we both love to dance and we just have our own dance parties. And I think we were having a conversation one time where we were complaining about like how much your feet hurt when you go out dancing and you wear cute shoes and then how sweaty you are and your makeup's like everywhere. I'm pretty sure it was her idea. She's like, we should go out dancing in our workout clothes. Like, doesn't that make so much more sense, right? Oh my God, I'm coming. Oh, right. Ca- is this for, do I need to fly to North Carolina for your birthday? <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll I mean, it. we usually, since we're not doing our annual meetup this year, <laughs> that's what we have to I'll just do. invite, yeah, my closest friends out for that kind of birthday party. So <laughs> I was like, that's the best idea I've ever heard. And I remember, I remember even what street I was driving on when she and I were talking about it. And I was like, that is exactly what I want to do for my birthday. And then she had already, she hadn't moved out here yet, but I was like, when you move out here, that's what we're going to do. And then she even took it a step further and she's like, we could go and like do stretching, like calisthenics beforehand, like warm up and everything. So then, so then she moves out here, right? She moved out here just last fall. And so my birthday's coming up. It's April 15th. So I kind of casually was like, we're trying to, because her brother's also coming out, his, his birthday's near mine. And I, and so I'm, I'm leaving her a message on Boxer. It's this app we use. And I'm like, Hey, we need to figure out when, when we're going to go out. And I'm assuming I'll just drive down to Charlotte and we'll go out down there. So we need to like research clubs and stuff. And then are you ready for this? What she says to me, What is she, she goes, did you like, I was just kidding. Like, you, you really oh, want to no. go out? And, um, and I was like, hold uh, up. Wait a minute. <laughs> I was wondering, because that's pretty advanced for Amy Smith. I was like, like, go what? out to the club like, in no makeup and sweats. Like, I don't know. Interactive wear. You've been like fooling me this whole time? Like, and she's oh, like, you're You've not going to let this go. You've been holding the dream for I years. Know. 
And I'm like, like, I feel like I don't even know you. Like, of course I'm going to want to do that. So there was a misunderstanding. She thought we were going to go try to find like the trendiest club in like downtown Charlotte. And I'm like, no, like that's, that's, I mean, like I draw the line somewhere. Cause you know, we would be like those, like, I could just hear like the 23 year old girls going, that's so cute. Do you see those like older ladies like dressed up in costume? <laughs> Oh no. Oh no. It's like, it's bad enough going out dancing these days when you are the aged folk on the dance floor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it's my 43rd birthday. They're like, yeah, check out the older lady. They're like bad moms. Go. No, I, I did not picture it that way. I said, let's just find some, I mean, I don't know, like a gay club, like where. Yes. I don't, not a trendy. No, a trendy you want to go to the gay club because they make you feel so beautiful. They think you're like amazing and they just, they don't care don't and care. you don't care. And then uh, it's the whole, it's layers upon layers of making you feel good. Right. That's what I had in mind. And I mean, I don't know, maybe we do find accidentally find some pretentious gay club. They, they probably exist. I don't know. I've never, I've never been to one, but that's kind of what I, I mean, even like a country bar, like I don't care. I just did not foresee it. She yeah. was envisioning it. Like I wanted to go to like the super trendy club where it's like, you know, $25 cover charge and like, no, 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 no. So no. we just had our wires crossed. Oh, Amy. Yeah. But it's your birthday, so you actually get to say, oh, well. (laughs) And I told her, and I'm like, you can't even drink and I'll drive us. Because that was another thing. She's like, I don't think I can do that without, like, having a little buzz. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I can't believe that, like, this is... I've always been that that woman who's like either has the really crazy ideas but always needed somebody to come with me or somebody has, like, a terrible slash great idea and I'm like, when are we doing it? Like... (laughs) This I'm is, that person. This is this is the tragedy of us living three thousand miles apart. I know because, or it's like keeping us safe. Yeah, because I know <laughs> you'd be like, let's go to the trendy club. I don't care. Um, <laughs> which which is a lovely segue into what we did the last time we saw each other. Which part? I'm totally forgetting. When at the in the dressing room. Oh my god. Oh, okay. So do you want to start there? <laughs> well, we don't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even have that in my bullet points of notes of what I wanted to go over for this conversation. Oh my gosh. Well, well, that's I mean, really what started the whole thought to me of maybe we yeah. should have this conversation on the air. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it then. Yeah. Oh my God. Why don't you tell the story then? Well, okay. So Andrea was on her book tour and she was in LA, which is where I live. And which is always exciting. Andrew and I get to see each other once, maybe twice a year if we're lucky. Yeah. Once if we're Hopefully super it's lucky. Not for twice. somebody's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. Exactly. Right. And so she was in town for her book tour and she had a dinner for, you know, friends and, and business associates and stuff like that. And so we met up beforehand and we were just walking up and down this, uh, it's called the third street promenade in Santa Monica. And it's a, basically an open air mall. We were going into all of these stores because Andrea really just wanted a zippy sweatshirt, zippy hooded sweatshirt that didn't have logos or whatever. That was kind of cool. So we're going at all these stores and we go into the store and we start, what store were we in? It was like a Pacific Sunwear or Tilly's or, or something like that. Something like that. Some trendy yeah. surf store. Right where the clothes are really made for people far younger than us Mm -hmm. and far tinier. And Andrea looks at me and she said, Oh, we were holding up this jumpsuit. And I was like, I want to try it on. I just want like for fun. I just want to try this on. And she, and Andrea had this idea where she said, how about this? We each have to go around the store and choose an outfit for the other. And we have to turn and we have to try it on. Mm Mm-hmm. But size appropriate. Like we were going to try to get each other's correct sizes so it would actually fit. Right. But the style was the fun part because right, exactly. not. <laughs> not, they're not clothes that are actually remotely made for people our age right. or our like demographic. So, so we did. So we go around and then we're like, we're thinking we're going to go into a dressing room together and we're going to show each other and ha ha ha. And then we like move along and we each choose. I mean, they weren't crazy, but they're completely crazy for what our, for our bodies and, and, and where we are and in life and all of that. And so, but we get up to the, to the dressing room and they were like, Oh, sorry, you can only put one person in a dressing room. We were like, they knew what we were up to. 
Those crazy old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> We're not the first. So we each individually go into our separate things. And we're like, well, okay, just take a picture so we could show each other afterwards. And we did that and we laughed and it was all fun and games and hilarious. And I was shocked that I, my, my butt fit in the shorts that, uh, that Andrea chose for me. Okay. And, uh, which, and I'm like, I just to sort of paint a picture, we each chose frayed cutoff shorts for each other. And they had like acid wash and like rips and stuff in them. Shorty shorts, like Daisy Dukes. I don't even know if they still call them Daisy Dukes anymore. And then two, I think we both <laughs> chose tube tops for each other. And then I picked like a floral tie shirt for you. So it was basically midriffs, short shorts, yeah. um, trucker yep. hats, some accessories. Yep. Yeah, that was the gist of yep. it. And keep in mind, it was the dead of winter. It was January. So neither of us had any kind of tan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I had shaved my legs in like two weeks. And and if you want, I'm okay with you posting my photo in the uh, in the show notes if you mm-hmm. want to do that. Oh hey everybody, it's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So anyway, so we do this thing and we take a picture and then we go about our night. We put back on our appropriate clothes and we go out and we have a wonderful time and the next day I got some bug up my hoo-ha and I posted it on Facebook and Instagram. And I really sort of captioned, I don't know. I don't even remember what I said about it. I said, do you remember what I said? You said something like, I don't even remember, but it was something like you were kind of having a throwdown with, you know, everything. And this is what we did. And here's all my cellulite hanging out. And you tagged me in it. So just to be clear, it was a picture of you. You posted a picture of yourself, not of me. Yes. Right. Exactly. No, Mm -hmm. I did not. I did not post your picture. You know, here's, and here's where this, this came from for me. I think the background is, is, and this is where, this is why we're having this conversation, right? Which is that a year ago in April, so it's almost exactly a year ago, I bottomed out. I was sitting on a beach in Mexico. I was with my son and my father and i was so overcome with the, the the my inner critic all of the voices in my head looking at all of the bodies comparing my body to all of their bodies if they if their bodies were bigger or like mine they were okay they were safe they were if their bodies were better than mine then or quote better right if they were skinnier more muscular then they were by definition better humans than I was. Mm-hmm. I had in the year, it, it was a year since I you had messaged finished. me that day when all that was going down in your head. And I was like, wow. I mean, it surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know it was really intense. I mean, and listen, this is what I talk about with, um, and I, and I, and I posted about this recently, you know, the thing is, is that I'm a personal development professional. I've been doing self work on this level for over 20 years and I still get taken down. Not as often, not as hard, but sometimes, but it, but it still happens. And sometimes when it happens, it's really hard mm-hmm. because as I always say to my clients, like you'll never be rid of your inner critic. We just have tools to manage it. Yeah. Right. And I just, and it's, and it's far better for me, far better than it was 20 years ago. Um, 20 years ago, it was fully running the show 24 seven. Now when it happens, it's like, Whoa, that's happening. And I can mm-hmm. see it. And that's what was happening to me on the beach. And what had happened was a year before that, I had done a, <laughs> an infomercial for a fitness product. Uh, they had put us on a food plan. I had starved myself. I had stopped getting my periods. I got eczema all over my body. But man, did I look good. Mm-hmm. I remember and- how excited you were too. And I, I, had, I had concerns, but I kept it to myself because you didn't ask. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know that I would have heard it at that point. Yeah. I was still under the... So, you know, really what this conversation is leading to is sort of, sort of an expose, I guess, on diet culture mm-hmm. um, and how it has affected women and how it continues to affect women. And I'm trying to have the conversations around this that are the conversations that are usually reserved for people who are in eating disorder recovery, that are, they're, they're, people are having these conversations. They're definitely having them, but I don't think that they're having them as loudly, as publicly, mm-hmm. um, as often as we really need to be having them. Yeah. And so, you know, I essentially for most of my life have, have decided that if I don't look a certain way that I'm literally not, and there's a part of me that, that really believes this, that I'm literally not worth the space I'm taking up on the earth. Mm-hmm. If I don't look a certain way. Yeah. If I'm not a certain way. And that is a message that has been given to us for decades and generations. Mm-hmm. It's been passed down. Yeah. It's been passed down. So, yeah. Well, and and thank you for for sharing all of that. And, you know, this could be easily be like a three-hour conversation. I know, I know. Just the nuances of, you know, you telling that story about what happened when you kind of came to that conclusion that day and had that huge epiphany and were... Mm -hmm were telling me about it. And some of it I knew, some of it I didn't know. I think I didn't know how deep it ran. And, and, and then also looking at my own stories around it. And I have never made it a secret that I've struggled more so in my twenties. God, where do I even begin with this? I talked about this and, and let me, let me back up and preface this. Uh, you know, I am by no means an expert on this. That's why I bring people mm-hmm. on. I've had other podcast episodes where I bring people on because in a lot of ways, it's still complex to me. And I, there are so many areas of my life where like I completely understand and can teach about personal development tools. But when it comes, what I have noticed because I work with women, when it comes to body and appearance, it is, it can be, I shouldn't say it is, it can be complex and multi-layered. And mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. tell people, I'm like, if it's, if it's an issue, please bring it to a therapist or somebody who is specifically trained in this, because like you were telling your, I mean, your story is common and you, you went to pretty intense therapy. You've been going through oh, yeah. to, to deal with this. So yeah. I just wanted to preface it with that. I, I wrote a lot in 2008. I wrote a lot about my own eating disorder and how, for me, what that looked like was, it was very different than, than, I mean, I'm, I'm not symptomatic now, but it was, it was starving myself. It was counting calories and it was a, it was also a huge mind fuck. And I don't at all count calories anymore and I don't weigh myself and I don't hate my body. I can, I can very confidently say I absolutely do not hate my body. I mm. have, I have so much admiration for it. However, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. however, it's been interesting and that's why I don't, I haven't really talked about it a lot because I do still feel like I'm, I'm going through the work and it's, it is kind of amazing. I'm like, oh my God, but I've come so far, but yet I'm looking, I look ahead and it's like, still feels like this giant hill. I'm with you. The last thing that you said, it's like, I still feel like, you know, if all, like my, all my problems would be solved if I could yep. lose that, you know, 10 pounds. And, and here's, here's where I'm at currently. And going back to the story that you 
were telling when you posted that picture, when you posted that picture, it was like a bit of panic for me because then every, of course everyone's commenting and it's like, it's your friend. So it's like all these amazing, like you go girl, like woo, women's empowerment. And then two people said, okay, where's Andrea's picture? And I was like, fuck that shit. No. <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, so I got curious about yeah. it. Like, why do I not yeah. want to post that? Okay. So first, mm-hmm. for my first reaction was, well, because I was like purposely pushing my gut out and like, you know, like here's all of me. And it was really just for, for you and I, and I, I make no apologies that I did not post it. I really mm-hmm. don't feel bad, mm-hmm. but it's like, yeah, that, that was your choice to make. And I think I said that. Make. I was like, that's Andrea's, that's Andrea's choice. She doesn't have to, you know, that's not. Yes, absolutely. And it's, you know, and, and it just made me really curious about it and, and, you know, kind of shifting gears indirectly related. I've been transparent too about, about that. I haven't consistently worked out in a while. Like it's been a while I've been inconsistent. One of the reasons is, is because every time I get that bug to start working out again, Mm -hmm. the primary reason is to change the shape and look of my body. And I have made, I have made a commitment to myself that I fucking refuse to do that anymore. I have been doing that since as long as I can remember. And I'm like, no, I am not going to make that the primary reason. And like, yes, I do feel better when I, when I work out and all that stuff that we're supposed to say. But at, at the end of the day, I, I, it is kind of like, um, I'm having a throwdown with, <laughs> yeah. with, our, with patriarchy <laughs> and just, and all of that. And I'm also really noticing that in our, I have one more thing to say, I, in yeah. our industry, in self-help in general, I'm kind of noticing that I feel like there's some shaming going on. And, and, and you guys, like I used to be in the fitness industry, so I get it. If you are not, if you are a self-help person and you don't also post your workouts and post what you're eating and you have it all figured out and you're eating a plant-based diet and like all of these things, then, Ugh. well, you know, yeah, <laughs> kind of not well, good so enough. Here- I, I, I mean, I, I totally hear you and I, you know, and because you and I are in this industry and we're friends with a lot of people and we follow a lot of people in our industry, we see this probably more often, um, than I guess other than your average Joe, right. Um, or your average Jane, that being said, absolutely. And, and this has been my biggest struggle over the last year. So here's what happened for me is that I rejected diet culture. The very first step I had to take was to vow never to go on a diet again, partly because this is widely available information that's widely available that I literally didn't know until April of last year. I did not know that the science shows that when they say diets don't work, what, what they literally mean is that when you lose weight, you not only gain it back, but you gain back more. Uh, It's your body's scientific response. I literally didn't know that. So I kept going on these diets and I kept being like, well, you know, here I am and now I've lost the weight and then everything will be fine. Now, P.S. I was just, I had the same issues at 120 pounds that I had at 140 pounds. Mm -hmm. Like it's all the same, right? So the very first thing I had to do was reject diet culture. But to me, healthy eating and exercise were conflated Mm -hmm. with diet culture. So as soon as I rejected diet culture, I was then like, I then immediately rejected health, health, essentially health and wellness, like all of it. Right. And my journey over the last year has been to pull them apart so that when I make choices about what I eat, it's about what is my body wanting right now? And and again, by the way, you know, I'm 47 years old. So I am not going to undo this in a year. And I am still struggling with this on a daily basis. This is a long-term growth pattern for me. I do not expect, I am not going to lick it. I don't think I'll ever lick it. Um, I'm never going to grow beyond it. It's never going to not be an issue, right? But um, I've had to now, so I did, I stopped going to the gym because I was like, every single workout I've ever done has been about being on a program and losing weight Mm -hmm. and changing my body. And it took me a good six to eight months before I was ready, willing, and able to go to my gym, feel like I belonged there and I was accepted there. And you know, that's like my church. My gym was my church. I Mm -hmm. love, love, love it. I love my people. I love my community. You know, the owner, uh, Michelle is a super good friend of mine, but I still felt like at a weight that I was, because as soon as I rejected diet culture, guess what? I gained a ton of weight. And I felt like I did not belong there. I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to be a member of the club. 
uh, which was totally not true. And then I started having, I started to learn to go back to the classes that I love just for the sake of doing the exercise that I love. And I show up there and I do what I love and it's hard. It's really hard. Michelle's classes are crazy hard, but I only do it for, for love. And now I go to the gym, you know, three times a week, as opposed to, I would, it was either five days or nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, everything has been about pulling, you know, we talk about moderation all the time, but we don't talk about the layers of complexity that, that bring us to the ability to live in moderation, right? We talk about that as this goal, but we don't talk about what that means and how we get there. Right. And, and, in, and the same thing with food, like I eat a pretty healthy diet most of the time. And then, and now I have a bowl of ice cream if I want it, mm-hmm. or I have a couple of cookies. If I want them, I am allow, I allow myself. And, and here's the thing. My body is still at a weight that I, I don't know what it is because I don't weigh myself. I don't own a scale. If I go to the doctor, I turn around and I tell them, I don't want to know the number, which is something you can do by the way. Yeah. Or if you see um, get weighed, I used to do that all the time. Yeah. I guess I could do that. I just never, you know, never think that that, that unless that they're giving you anesthesia or you're there specifically about your weight, there's usually no reason that they need to weigh you. Yeah. Good to know. So, it, so this, my, my point is that like, like you said, like this idea that, that I, I rejected everything that was, that is, that I know intellectually to be good for me because it was so wrapped up in the messaging and the lifestyle and the habits that are so destructive. Yeah. Yeah. And as you were saying all that, like partly I was thinking like, okay, what is the point of this, uh, podcast episode? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, what I want for people is to, because I think that when we hear a lot about, or experts come on talking about binge eating or emotional eating or or things like that, we tend to think in extremes. And I, I think that most people might be like, well, then that's not for me because I don't feel like I have that much of a problem. But I, it's, I mean, you're hard pressed to find a woman who doesn't have some kind of complicated relationship with her body. And that's really what I want the point of this to be is just for people to get curious about it. You know, are you, and if you are working out to change the way that your body looks so that you can conform to our society standards, I'm not saying like, oh my God, that's so bad. I'm saying welcome, you know, (laughs) most of us. And just to get curious about it. I think that that's what I would like the point of this people to walk away with. I think that, I don't know. I just, I, again, like I keep saying it over and over again. I, I just feel like it's complicated for me. It's like, I feel like I have this relationship with my husband. I have this relationship with my children, this relationship with money, with my girlfriends. And I have this relationship with my body and it's, you know, and I've also, I've gained weight it's really interesting. The number on the scale doesn't really bother me anymore because I think like I I, under, I understand. I know that I'm gaining weight, so I, I expect the number to be there. And I can honestly say like when I hear it from my doctor or whatever, it's just interesting information for me where that used to completely take me down. So I am, okay, like, look, I've come a long way in that. What triggers me is, for instance, the pants, my leather pants that I wore in like one of my very first fo- photo shoots for my business I can't even get those over my ass anymore. And cause, and talking to Susan Hyatt and she was like giving me some ideas for my book launch. And she's like, Oh, and you could do that. And you can wear those awesome leather pants you have. And I was like, girl, those haven't fit me in like six months. <laughs> Still hanging yeah. in my closet. When I saw myself in my book trailer video, I was like, Oh, that looks different. And it's, you know, and I, and people might look at that and I even hesitate to say that. Cause like there might be people listening. You'd be like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Like I'm, I still, I still relatively fit into the box of, you know, conformity to uh, American ideal standards. I mean, just barely, I think. But for me, like I look different and it's, and it's triggering and it's, and it like kind of reels me back a little bit into that place of, of, and I'm being totally honest when it's like, oh my God, are people still going to like me? If I am, if I am different than what people expect, (sighs) it doesn't take me down anymore, but it just makes me really get curious. But I do feel that little bit of panic, like, oh my God, I need to, I need to do something. I need to do something. But then I'm like, no, no, I will not do that anymore. Yeah. And and I have that, that panic. It was every day. It was every minute of every day. I think I posted a couple of, uh, like last week that I want to pick up a diet the way that an alcoholic wants to pick up a drink. Mm-hmm. 
it is, it is a compulsion. It is an addiction. It is a, everything will be better if I just do this one more diet. If I, you know, do this diet, then I'll get to this point and then everything will be okay. And I have to think it through all the time. Every so, single say what time. that means for people, like the thinking it through. So, yeah. So I have to think it all the way through. What they say, you know, what they say with, you know, and you could speak better to this, but you know, what they say with alcoholics and the drink, it's like, you think it all the way through. It's like, okay, great. So I have the drink. What happens next? What is the predictable outcome of taking this first step and actually thinking it all the way through? And so I have to think like, okay, so you want to go on a diet. Okay. So what's the predictable outcome? The predictable outcome is that you'll lose five, 10 pounds Mm -hmm. or whatever, and then you'll gain it back and then you'll gain even more weight. And so every single, and, and, you know, the tricky slippery thing about diets is that because they give you a momentary, um, they, you know, relief. Yeah. Just like having a drink. They're successful. (laughs) Just like, exactly. Well, they're successful, right? They're successful for a minute. And all of the infomercials we see are, you know, are, are from the right after the diet ended, right? Well, we don't go back and look at what happened to them a year or so later. And by the way, there are many scientific studies that have done just that. Um, and it's, and the picture is uniformly not good. And so I have to think the diet all the way through. Great. So I'll lose the 10 pounds and then I'll gain 15 mm-hmm. and then I'll be wor- in worse shape than from a weight perspective than I am right now. And I can't go down that road. And, you know, I just want to circle back to what you were saying about like, people won't like me at a certain weight. Mm -hmm. And when I first went through this, when I first started this journey, I, I could not leave the house. It was so painful and scary for me to go to the grocery store. Uh, This is not an exaggeration. This is how sick my mind was. And this was in therapy, (laughs) by the way. I was so convinced that I didn't belong in the world. I was not welcome at the grocery store. I was embarrassed. I was so full of shame. I was sure that people were looking at me like, now, I mean, that's insane thinking. Like you and I know that that's insane Mm -hmm. thinking. And as I said, like, this is after 20 years of like, you know, therapy and 12 step work and all of it. Right. But I had not hit this level. I had not hit this place. Frankly, this was the judgment and the shame that I was casting about to everybody else in the world, right? And I was turning it on myself in such horrible, extreme ways. And now I'm beyond that. Like I ha- like wrapping my brain around that is so it's so hard. I got to tell you, it is so hard, but you know, what's even harder is even telling you the story of my journey. It, it pains me that I was, that I was that self-conscious and that, I, and I'm at the point now I don't have shame about, you know, getting dressed and going out half the time I'll go out and sweats and I'm like, Oh, well, screw it. You know, no makeup, whatever. Um, and I don't, I can't say that I fully love my body that I'm, I can't, I can't say that I'm at this level of acceptance, but I can tell you that I'm not at a level of self-loathing. Yeah, I can tell you that at a weight and a size that I've never been with an entire wardrobe of clothes that do not fit, I'm coming to a place of acceptance and you know, this is the, and here's the deal, by the way, also I'm single and I live in Los Angeles. Mm. So there's a whole other layer of, you know, I, I live in LA where my quote competition is, you know, the, a lot of the ideal the quote ideal, yeah. right? Um, to rural it, North Carolina. <laughs> I, exactly. It's not the exactly. same experience. <laughs> if I were in the Midwest, I'm, you know, but you know, it's just, yeah. And so I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded even more so by this, you know, crazy messaging. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where-are-my-keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where-are-my-kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're, Amy, more of a we-were-supposed-to-leave-35-seconds-ago mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. And there are people who will say like, you know, you have to love your body. And it's like, well, you know, my therapist was great. She said to me, you don't have to love it. You have to accept it and you have to take care of it. Yeah. And you don't have to, right. But that's the goal. That's the journey. That's the goal. She said, she said self, you know, loving your body. She said, I, you know, I don't know. I, I barely know anyone. And this is a woman who is an eating disorder therapist. Like she specialized this in year for years. And she's like, I know so few women, so few people that really truly love their bodies. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. said, but, but respect it, honor it and accept it for what it is. And I'm, and I am, and I'm pretty much at that point now. And and I think taking that photograph in back to our Tilly's experience, you know, taking that photograph and, and publicly displaying it was, was for me a radical act of public acceptance. Yeah. It's like, here we are. It's crazy. It's, you know, it's funny. It's all of this, but also here it is. Mm-hmm. Here it is. This is the deal. And I'm really committed to speaking about it uh, in this way because the la- it is it is so multi-layered, it is so complex. It's not just as easy as as saying love your body and that's no, no, nope. yeah. Well, and nope. that's that's really like another point of what I wanted to do on this episode is just have a really transparent conversation where there's no expert on this call. There's nobody saying like, here are some tips and tools to, to do that. I remember I did a survey a while back and that's what a couple of people have said. Like, you know, can you just have more just candid conversations Mm -hmm. with real life people? And this is what I'm hoping to (laughs) satisfy that. And, and on the other hand, like we, we are experts in the field of personal development and there's still stuff that comes up. And, and I, and I wanted people to hear similar stories, but that, that were different. Yeah. And I mean, I remember hating my body and I was three, at least three sizes less than I am now. And that was a dark time. That was a really dark time for me. There was also so many other issues happening Mm -hmm. that kind of overlapped, but but it's been what I've been doing, honest to goodness, the last couple of years really is just kind of like pulling myself out of the situation and watching it and just getting really curious about my thinking and mm-hmm. my beliefs mm-hmm. and my choices because of my thinking and my beliefs and being trying my best to be intentional about my behaviors and my thinking and then my beliefs. And for me, also raising a daughter in this culture, you know, where still for women, our bodies and appearances are our number one shame trigger. That comes from Brene Brown's research. And my daughter said to me the other day, I wanted to crawl in a hole and just not (laughs) ever hear it again. She said to me, mom, she was like, she had been with all of her little Girl Scout friends. She's eight, by the way. She said, mom, sometimes when I look at other people's, when I look at my friends' faces, I think they're so pretty. And I look at my face and I don't think I'm pretty. Mm. And I was like, it just panic overrode me. Panic. Because Mm -hmm. my first thought was, I'm supposed to know how to handle this. I write fucking self-help books for a living. If I don't have an answer for this, I am a failure. So I took a few deep breaths and and talked her through it. And 
I, I don't know if I said the right things, but, and it, and it, and that has really, and I know for many of my listeners, whether they have sons or daughters or not, it's important for us to do this work. So the next generation has something different than what we yeah. have. And I don't, I don't know how well it's going. I don't know. Well, I don't know. know. We did talk about this. I think it's funny because there are times when I have conversations with my son and he rolls his eyes at me and he's like, Oh my God, mom, I know. And I realize that they are being raised with conversations that we never, we were never raised with. Right. right? And so things that I'm like, no, 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 you have to understand, you have to see this as, as it, and he's like, yeah, I, I, I know. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it is almost like it's, uh, there are things that they're born that they're being raised knowing that we didn't know that we had to learn that they're like, it's already ingrained right mm-hmm. for the next generation. Um, and then there's also, there's just so much more work to, to be done. Yeah. There just always is, you know, I just think too, for, for that generation too, there's so much compare and despair and kind of circling back to what I was saying before, what I, as I've been sitting back and just getting really curious and noticing things, what I've noticed is, is especially like on Instagram, I'll follow people and, I even hesitate to say this, but I'm just like, I feel like the basic message, the general message is, is is what I kind of said before. Like you have to have a morning routine. You have to eat this way. You have to work out this way so that you can live this wholehearted, well-rounded life. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, Mm. I'm like mediocre at best about my morning routine. I was, I was laughing the other day because I'm like, you know what my morning routine mostly consists of dropping off my kids at school and then coming home and turning all the lights off that they left on. (laughs) That's part of my morning routine. Listen, I have a morning routine. It's get up at like six, make coffee, sit on the couch and scroll through Facebook. That (laughs) is my morning morning routine. Like, I'm sorry. I'm so like, that's, I, I just, my point is like, you don't have to be like this avid exerciser and like do the whole 30 and do all these really great, perfect things in order to have a pretty fucking magnificent life. Like I just, yeah. I used to believe that I was like, you have to exercise and eat right in order to, to live this life that we're all striving for. And now right. I'm kind of like, I have not consistently worked out in months. I do eat decently well, but like, let's be honest, I love Girl Scout cookies. And, and I'm like, I'm looking around and I'm like, my life is pretty fucking great. Like, <laughs> you know, so you know what makes life not great? Constantly pathologizing ourselves. Oh yeah. That's what makes life not great. And I think that there is so much, it's so rampant. We're constantly pathologizing our behaviors and our actions. And, you know, if I, you know what, you know what makes a a really good life? Actually just being okay with who you are and what you're doing, (laughs) you know? And if there are things that we need to improve because you make a powerful choice to improve them, great. If you mentally, physically, spiritually, or emotionally feel like shit, then take a look at it, get curious, and then do something to change it. I don't feel like shit in any areas of of my life in that. So it's like, that's really why I was like, no, I reject the whole like thing that you have to be a certain way and do certain things in order to live this amazing life. I reject it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. My morning routine is literally get up, make coffee, froth my so delicious creamer. Thank you, Amy Smith for getting me on that and sitting on the coffee on the, in the, on the couch, scrolling through Facebook. And then at seven o'clock getting my kid ready and up and out and school and like all of that. And then coming home, going to the gym, whatever it is. Right. But it's not, it's also not consistent. The only thing that's consistent is that I sit my ass down with a frothy latte and I scroll through Facebook. That's the only thing consistent about my mornings. And you know what? I'm fine. Yeah, you are fine. (laughs) (laughs) and by the way the only reason the only reason that I'm allowed now to that I love I like I love my morning coffee I love it remember when I used to be like Andrea black coffee is fine it's really good I I rejected that too (laughs) you know what I was full of shit And now that I've rejected diet culture and I've rejected dieting and I've just, and I just give my body what it wants and needs and what I actually like, I, I have two, two 
frothy, so delicious lattes that are full of sugar every morning, and I fucking love them. Do you remember what I said about <laughs> because first it was like you were trying to can get me on the black coffee train, and I was like, fuck no. And no, then was, you were like, okay, well, there's because I I tried the so delicious because I drink half and half. I right. tried because my body can. I know for some people dairy is like a no, but my body is fine with dairy. You told me about so delicious, and I was like, they wasn't that you? I was like, they need to call no. it something else. It, they need to call it like so, it, like just okay, delicious, like kind of delicious, <laughs> a little bit so delicious. Okay. It's not so delicious. <laughs> it's Amy. It's Amy that first got us onto so it, delicious. It was her that I was telling. Yeah, okay. I'm like, yeah, and you were like, kind of it's just so okay. <laughs> <laughs> not so delicious. And but I, and I love I that you admit that, that you were full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I was trying to get you to do whole 30. And I'm really sorry. No, I did the whole 30. I did the whole, okay. Let me, I've told, I think I might've told my whole 30 story. And, and for the record, I love, I do love Melissa Hartwig. I, I know some people have issues with her. I think I really like her as a person. I want to be her friend, but she's, for anyone that doesn't know, she's the creator of the whole 30 and I won't get into what the whole 30 is, (laughs) but it's this thing that's like not a diet, but it is a diet. We started it because, and by we, me and Jason, and did you do it with me? I did it first. I'm the one who was like, you have to do this. Amy did it with me. (laughs) And Uh um, my husband has arthritis in his hands and we thought it might be wheat. And so he agreed to do it with me so we could see what it, what was going on. I was really tired at the time and my energy level was up and down and I couldn't figure out. And I I had a feeling it was probably sugar and, and bread and all of that. So I thought, okay, let's do this together. And I wanted to really see if I felt a difference at the end of the 30 days because it's, you, you incorporate things back in. And I was mildly horrified that you can't even have hummus. So we do it and I really love the control aspect of it because I feel safe when I have something like that where I can plan and control and Pinterest my way through it. So we did it. And my husband, of course, lost like a thousand pounds, like on the first day. (laughs) (laughs) He could have stood to lose like 10 pounds and and he did lose it. And by the way, the arthritis didn't go away, but I do think he actually maybe needed to do it longer. I still am a little bit suspicious that it's the wheat. Anyway, that's another story for another day. So I don't know if you remember, but like I got 15 days into the whole 30 and fell into a depression that yeah. I have never experienced before in my life. I remember you it, were so angry and you were days. depressed. It was so bad. Four days. And I kept thinking, maybe tomorrow I'm going to feel better. Maybe tomorrow I, f- I was crying. And then you guys were like, maybe you should eat some hummus. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I was eating enough. I wasn't hungry, but I think it was just, and I talked to it and saw a naturopath and told her about it. And she is not a fan of the whole 30. And she said, She's like, my suspicion is that it completely threw your hormones for a loop. And given my, um, given my history of anxiety disorder and panic disorder and an eating disorder probably wasn't the best idea. And I was already two weeks in and I Googled whole 30 eating disorder and came across all these articles, a couple written by Melissa Hartwick herself saying it might not be a good idea for you to do the whole 30 if you have struggled with an eating disorder. I was like, I really wish that I would have known that ahead of time. So Uh I made it like 27 days and um, hated everyone. And and I, and I, you, when you and I were having this conversation, when we were talking about have, having, doing this episode, you were like, the whole 30 is a diet. Like, let's call it, let's call it what it is. It is. It is. My yeah. mom is doing Weight Watchers right now. And she's trying to tell me that's a lifestyle, not a diet. I'm like, mom, it's a diet. Anytime, <laughs> any single time that you are not allowed to eat certain things, that is a diet. <laughs> like, I have a feeling there's people listening to this who are like nutritionists and, and they're like screaming at the, and they're disagreeing with us. And I'm sure that's going to happen. And that's part of like why I didn't want to have the that's conversation. Fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Listen, here's the deal. I mean, and I also do think it depends on where you're coming from. Listen, you remember when I did whole 30, I've never felt better in my life. It really worked for me. Mm-hmm. I was an evangelist. I lost 10 pounds. I wasn't counting calories. I didn't have to restrict. I could, you know, it was great, but I couldn't eat whatever I wanted. And then as soon as I got off of it, I gained 15 pounds. I think it so, does work for some people. It does. If it becomes your way of life mm-hmm. and it, re- if it really does, then I think, it, I think it's, I think of all of them out there. I, I still think that's probably the best one. Yeah. I really do. I just, you know, for me, 
anytime I restrict, here's what happens for me and for many women is that when we go on any kind of diet or eating program, anytime there's a restriction that, that categorizes certain foods as good and certain foods as bad, Mm -hmm. what we do is we then tend to not all of us, not all of the time, but research is pretty, pretty sort of heavy on this. Um, that what we tend to do is then as soon as we get done with a period of restriction, we go into a period of binging Mm. and we, we eat that thing that we have restricted for 30 days more than we would have had we never restricted. So we give certain foods, uh, we give it weight, we give it value, we give foods value. And if I were to give a donut and a wheatgrass juice, the same value, emotional value, not nutritional value, I would probably be able to take or leave the donut as much as, or, and, and as often as I do the wheatgrass juice. Mm-hmm. But because I have decided that a donut is, you know, just forbidden and it's bad and it's all of these things that, and I, and I, and I stay away from it, even though it's the thing that I like, I make it forbidden it's forbidden fruit. Then all I want to do is have the donut. And then when I have one donut, I want to have 10 because I'm never, ever going to eat a donut again. Yeah. That I didn't have that experience. I could see how that could have, would happen to people. My experience looked like this. And I think it was also, and this is why I ended up Googling whole 30 uh, eating disorder, because as I was going through this four day deep depression, you guys were telling me like, maybe you should quit. And even Jason was like, maybe you should just not do it anymore. And I, mm-hmm. it was, I was started to panic because I was like, A, I wanted, I wanted just to finish it. I wanted, I didn't want to quit. And B, yeah. and I think what was, what was bigger and more pressing to me was I knew that I had lost a little bit of weight and I was afraid of like you were saying, I'm like, what if I gain it back and then some, so then all my old eating disorder thoughts came back, which hadn't been around for a long time. I thought about restricting and it's like, and, and what really frightened me, Kate, was how quickly and how organized they all came back. It was like this troop of people just like came like waltzing in the house and were like, oh, hey, what's up? We haven't seen you in a while. Let's just make ourselves comfortable. Don't worry. We got it. We totally know how to do this. And it's like, I was just like, well, maybe I could. And I was starting to organize what I could restrict and thinking about what, what kind of workout I could start again. It was it was frightening, Kate, how fast that came back. The good news is, is how fast I saw it coming. Like they didn't just yeah. come in and I had a blindfold on like it used to be that they came in and I was like, oh, fuck, you know, and they kind of beat the door down, but I was able to see it. And that's why I Googled that and got the information that I needed to get and told you guys like this is happening like this. So yeah. I ended up finishing it because I did come out of the depression and felt like myself again and I just was really, really careful. And again, I didn't, I only made it 27 out of the 30 days. And I think I just started throwing half and half in my, maybe it was potatoes. I can't even remember what it was where I was like, fuck it. It wasn't donuts. It was just, it was, it was something that I normally, it was probably hummus. (laughs) It was probably because you can have potatoes on whole 30, which is like, as soon as I found that out, I was like, like, I don't don't even remember what it was, but every once in a while that I think if anything, when I think about, when I kind of start tumbling into thinking of the weight that I've gained and, you know, the, the pant sizes I've gone up and the, and the pants that don't fit me anymore, I will hear that, well, I could do a whole 30 again. And then I'm like, nope, I shut that down so fast. Only because, because it's only because I am trying to make my body a certain way to conform to what the world wants me to be. So everyone will continue to love me. And that, that's what I, again, am rejecting. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I'm so with you on that and I, I have the same compulsion. I have the same urge and I have to put it aside because I'm, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just a 47 year old woman who's trying Standing to do some in good work in the world. <laughs> like, you know, literally sitting behind my computer all the time, you know, and that's the, you know, and there are things, and now I've gotten to the point where there are certain foods that I don't eat because they have an adverse reaction in my body, like dairy, my body rejects dairy and I can eat it, but I just know there's going to be a consequence. And you know, that's the deal. So if I'm out and someone offers it to me, or if I make a choice, but I don't eat it because I have it, because it has a consequence to my body, not because it's a bad food. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's a huge that's shift. A difference. That's a huge shift. And I hope this was helpful for some people. And, and again, I just want to reiterate what I wanted this to be was just a candid conversation between two friends who have, who have done the work and continue to do the work. We have not completely arrived yet. We have come so far. We've told you about some of the bumps along the way and the work that we have done and, you know, that we still sometimes feel trapped by it. And again, I, I certainly hope it was, was helpful for some. And thank you, Kate, for, oh for not gosh. just having this conversation with me just for being my friend and, and just being such an amazing human. I just love you and adore you. Oh, honey. I feel the same way back at you. Your friendship is literally everything to me. <laughs> literally everything. Literally oh, everything. Thank but, you. And I also want to say that, that, you know, these are also like we've said, like I am not an eating disorder specialist. This is Nor my experience, mm-hmm. right? This is just my experience. And I hope that my, ex- that just sharing our experiences helps people to just relate and know they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And thank you everyone for, as always, I know how important your time is and I'm so grateful that you spend it with me and my amazing guests. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And until next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.